Welcome to the Tarot Coven cast. Real people, real talk, real magic. Hello out there, lovely listeners, and welcome to the Tarot Coven cast. I'm your host, Jasmine, and joining me on this episode, I have two of my wonderful co-hosts. I've got Jack and Ovia. Hi. And Jesse. Hello, everyone. And this episode, we're here to discuss the sticky cards, you know, like those tarot cards that just kind of get under your skin. They're a little bit spiky. They can be frustrating. And we're going to talk about some specific cards. We're also going to talk about the topic kind of in a general way. Uh, We're going to really get our feelings out on these cards and then hopefully maybe give each other a little bit of new perspective on some of them. We'll see how it goes. But before we dive into that, Jesse has kind of a cool story to share with us. Hey, everyone. So I hope you all take Sunday care or whatever day that means for you, or you've just got a little extra time in your morning. I find that with tarot practice, the day to day, usually weekdays for everyone, it's kind of hurried and While I always try to draw a card or two and reflect, I really don't end up having that extra time until the weekends. So for myself, I'm doing some career changes and there's been a lot of questions come to mind. And so I have a particular spread that I like to use. It's an Akashic Records spread. I actually have it on my uh, Instagram site, just a little highlight that talks through that. But it involves just doing a prayer for the Akashic Uh, to enter Akashic Records. You have a spirit card that comes through and really it's a free journal prompt. So whatever comes to mind. And then I pick three cards, which ends up being the subject, the verb, and then the adjective. And really the adjective is just that that third card is the first two cards and kind of what the action is together. So Mm -hmm. the spirit for my question this week was death reversed and anytime you get a major for the spirit that comes through and the spirit that's really trying to talk to you right that can be a little intimidating if you know you're not comfortable with the death card right and for me right away I knew this is a time for transformation and because it was reversed I took that to mean that personal transformation and so Mm. journaled had the cards that really supported kind of what that looked like. And previous to doing that Akashic spread, I had in my mind just put together a spread that I was going to draw for fun on just a job question that I had. So kind of where I was at, the challenges and growth in the prior job, what the new job challenges and growth would be. And then right in the middle, I have a card placement for myself So after the Akashic spread, shuffle, 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 redraw, and wouldn't you know it, in that me spot was death. Wow. (laughs) Again, and I love it when those cards just follow you. Like, you know, let's just make a statement here and make sure that we really get the message. But yeah, that's my fun story. I always love when, when that happens. It just seals in the message and really, yeah, pay attention. That's what it told me. Yeah, well, and I love that, I mean, it it feels sort of 
syn- like synchronicity because death is kind of one of those classic sticky cards. I think a lot of people have an issue or at least, you know, maybe at first when they first start reading tarot, it's an issue for them. Or certainly if they don't know much about tarot, they look at death and it's like, I mean, it's right there in the name, right? It's a little intimidating. So I was actually, I was going to ask you guys in a little bit how you kind of approach those those cards specifically, those ones that are, you know, a little bit in your face like that. But I think you kind of already alluded to it. It's like it's it's really that time of rebirth and, and taking it, you know, in especially in the reversal, taking it really inwards like that. But yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you shared that. And we'll definitely, we'll, we'll talk about death a little bit more, I think, in just a bit. Um and the Akashic Records thing is really cool. I think we'll have to talk about that on another episode as well. I I don't really know much about that spread, but I liked hearing that it's, like, I like these position placements, like the adjective and the verb and stuff. That seems really cool. Just being right, kind of a word it. nerd, I like that. So, <laughs> um, And Jack and Ovia and I were actually going to talk a little bit about the judgment card because... So both of us have weekly newsletters, and it was a card that came up for both of us this week. Um, Do you want to get us started on that? How did it come up for you? Because I think you pulled three cards for your letter this week, right? I did. I did. Um, For judgment for my reading, it it was very much directed towards we have to kind of turn inward and not try to... um, place judgment on other people about how they're handling situations or how they're acting towards you and to more turn inwards and not react a lot. So there was, you had had to really drop that whole, I'm judging other people's actions kind of feel. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's essentially how the card was coming up for me too. Um, I actually, I went a little personal with it because, so judgment is one of the cards that I would have considered to be a real spiky card, Um, you know, maybe even within the last couple of months, but I've done a lot of work with it to kind of shift my perspective. And so I was talking about how same kind of thing, you know, once I realized like it wasn't really about um, other people maybe judging me or, or what they were doing, but it was about like reflecting it back on me and saying, oh, what am I doing? How am I judging this? And that can be really uncomfortable to come to terms with that. So in that way, I think my reading on judgment, when it used to really freak me out, it was probably doing exactly what it was supposed to be doing because it was really shining that light and putting that mirror right up against me and, and kind of telling me like, hey, you need to kind of look at your own behavior here. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard to have to look at yourself in, under a magnifying glass and you see parts of yourself that you're not really proud of, but if you don't acknowledge those parts and admit that they're there and agree to work on them and, you know, accept them as part of who you are, you can't work your way through them. You can't make it better. You can't use the energy, you know, in a better way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a gift of tarot, I think, and maybe in particular, the more spiky cards, right? Because they make you work a little bit harder, I think. Yeah, we don't have to like them, but they're still Mm. good for us. It's like, you know, eating your Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I've always been interested in the placement of judgment in uh, perspective of the majors. So right before the Mm. world, which is that completion part. And you know, yes. through life, so many of us deal with that inner critic or the, the doubt that we have. 
Um, and even the discernment in Jeconovia, I know that in a prior meetup, we talked about judgment meaning discernment as well, or, or could mean discernment. And so the sooner we can resolve that judgment issue within ourselves, we can move on to the completion or the accomplishment that lives within that world card. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's so funny that you bring that up specifically because when I was writing this week's newsletter or last week's newsletter, I should say, that is something that came to my mind too. I was really thinking about what is the point of judgment being that sort of second last card, let's say, in the story of the majors. And that's that's pretty much the kind of the conclusion that I came to. It's like a it's almost like a last step in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like a self realization and and true authenticity. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love yeah, that. absolutely. Well, awesome. I love that those stories are just so on point for our topic at hand. That's, I love that. So let, I mean, let's move into it. There's a lot to talk about, I think. So, you know, I think that the idea of what, you know, the cards that we find um, sticky and the cards that we find sweet, because we're going to be doing another episode, of course, where we balance it all out and we talk about those lovely, bright cards that, you know, you just love to see. But I think it's super subjective, as is probably most things to do with tarot, because we all have our own points of view. We all develop our own relationships with the cards. But I think, you know, and and there's no good or bad cards in the deck, but I think inevitably we're all going to form certain connections, which could lean towards either soft or spiky, right? Um, You know, I think some people may have a problem with cards like, the Empress or the Two of Cups or even, dare I say it, the Magician because it's just not where they're feeling comfortable, you know? Um, then again, maybe, you know, I know a lot of people have issues or or feel um, sort of just uncomfortable when like any of the swords cards come up. Like that's a particularly difficult suit in general. Uh, the court cards, I think, often trip people up. But I do think that there are specific cards. There's like, as we were saying about death, it's a very classic kind of spiky card that I think most people, either when they're first coming to the practice or when they maybe don't know too much about it yet, or or maybe they're years into it and they still just haven't really resolved their feelings around these cards. But I think certain cards like death, the tower, Three of Swords, the Devil, Five of Pentacles, those are the ones that I think really get people, whether it's the imagery or, you know, the names. I mean, it's kind of all in the name when we hear something like the devil or death, right? So I kind of wanted to ask you, and and Jesse, you touched on this a little bit when you were talking about your Akashic Records spread, but how do you sort of approach the issue, let's say, of these cards when they come up in a reading, or how did you... um, form new perspectives about them or, or kind of take them out of that box of being a little bit uncomfortable and hard to deal with? How do you, do you, like when you notice if you're doing a reading and somebody tenses up, if they see that card come up, like, do you kind of just let them be in that feeling? Do you kind of help them shift to a new perspective? What's your, what's your approach, Jesse? I actually was working with someone who was not familiar with tarot today. And anytime that's the case. I usually, even before I draw 
or we work through a spread, I touch on death, the devil, and uh, usually, and then kind of look at the swords. But for those, I will just say, hey, this is historically what this means. So if it comes up, I usually preempt it just mm-hmm. in case, unless they're somewhat familiar and then I just let it ride. And yeah, I always love to see the reaction. I think that's a really important uh, part of reading for someone is to see how they respond. In fact, one of my favorite practices is just to draw a card, you know, who am I? And and you kind of look that body intelligence, that reaction that comes up right away. If someone's new, it's a really great way to, yeah, just kind of acclimate mm-hmm. to the card. Yeah, yeah, that does sound super interesting. I like that. What about you, Jackanovia? Well, I'm not as gentle as Jess. <laughs> I, I generally don't, I, I don't ever give that warning ahead of time. I mean, if someone's coming to me for a tarot reading, chances are they probably know that there are some scary cards. But I find for me personally, I do the same type of idea as Jess. I just observe the reaction to it. And then I ask questions. Why does that card seem to bother you so much? Is there something you're holding on to that perhaps, you know, should have been left behind in the past? You know, something mm. that needs to be buried. So that's usually how I get through it, which maybe isn't quite as gentle and sweet as Jess. <laughs> well, I think we all have to have our own approach, right? It's it's what yeah. works for you. And I cannot imagine you being, you know, forceful or rude or anything but <laughs> sweet. So <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um But yeah, I mean, you know, when I love to see people's reactions as well, that's not like a, that's not like a sinister thing. It's not like I'm waiting for death to show up and just see like, oh, I can't wait for them to recoil or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) But it's just, you're both right. It's like such an interesting way of gauging where people are at and then helping them work through that. Right. Um, But for particular cards like that, I want to use this word that I, I, I don't know if she has coined the term to do with tarot, but. Uh, Lindsay Mack, who hosts the Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast, she talks about tarot cards having a medicine in them, right? And medicine is just medicine. It's kind of like you said before, we don't have to like it, but we have to eat our Brussels sprouts. And sometimes we don't have to like it, but we do have to take a particular kind of medicine. It doesn't have to be pharmaceuticals. It could be herbs. It could be whatever, right? But that there's something inherently um, useful in each card. Uh, There's an invitation at its core. There's something to be gained from each and like from all 78 cards. There's something there. And so I think when we see something like death come up, maybe, maybe what we can do is move further, like move past the surface of it because, okay, let's say you pull death. Well, you're not dead, right? And I highly doubt, maybe it has in the past once or twice, but I highly doubt it is predicting a death. Um, you know, I don't work with tarot in that way personally, where we're predicting the future. But if we move beneath that sort of that the scariness of the word death, perhaps for some people, it's like, well, what is at the core of that? And Jesse touched on this earlier. It's a, a chance for rebirth and changing and transition. And there's so much more than just that word or just that, you know, probably an image of a skeleton, which might creep some people out. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just moving past and looking deeper into things can help us sort of bring those more classically spiky cards out of their their scary little boxes. But yeah, I think 
And and beyond that, I think there's other ways that cards can be sticky and spiky. You know, when I see people using interpretations that feel really sort of outdated or really narrow, that to me feels sticky. So for example, um, a lot of times I see the two of cups only being depicted as a romantic relationship. And not everybody is interested in romantic relationships. Even people who are in romantic relationships don't necessarily want to hear about it when they're when they're dealing with tarot. And so I think when they're not, when interpretations or when cards have been, again, put inside a box that doesn't feel very inclusive, that to me feels sticky. Um, what about you guys? What are other cards that, or other ways that cards can feel sticky for you guys? Um, well, similar to what you were saying is that, you know, sometimes the classic interpretations don't feel right to me. Like you brought up the two of cups and to me, as that can be relationships and contracts, to me, it's more of a, be careful that you're not being forced into something. Because if you really look at the imagery, the man is stepping forward, trying to take the cup from the woman and she's stepping back. She's not making that move forward. Mm. So there's, it depends on the person and how they read that card. So yeah, I think it's easy, especially for beginners, it's easy to get tied up in what they're supposed to mean with, you know, the air quotes. But really, right. you have to figure that out for yourself. Otherwise, it's you won't get as much out of it. So I think that's how some people get kind of stuck on certain cards. Yeah. And I, I guess I should say, like, I... I think that the two of cups can represent romantic relationships. I just think that it Absolutely. can mean so much more than that, as you have just proven, right? So yeah. Um, what about you, Jesse? I'm always interested in, you know, I, I, we've all been encouraging people that are learning tarot to really trust their intuition, what they see. I love how I've never really noticed that within the body stance of the two images on that card and and that's where we're always learning right taking it to another level and I completely agree about being open to new meanings I think the more you work with tarot especially uh, for yourself cards may come up in different reference points and they'll either click to the answer quickly or it might be a little bit more obscure and you have to dig into it Um, You mentioned the Two of Cups. I feel the same about the Lover's card, where it Mm. has that traditional meaning of, you know, a lot of people think love or relationship there. And historically, it means something quite different. In fact, I believe the original card had three figures on there. Um, And, you know, it it does tend to throw me for a loop if if the question or... And I'm not really, I don't usually read on questions. I like to read mine more like a general read for people that I work with in Tarot. But the lovers are, for me, you know, is this about the self-love and working through that relationship? Is it a relationship with others? Is it a new opportunity? And so, yeah, so interesting to think through the traditional or historically, uh, I guess, initial meaning of that card and what it could mean in modern terms. Yeah, for sure. The lo- that's a good point about the lovers as well, because, and so often it is just the two people and maybe a, a third figure more often than not an angel, right? Um, 
I have one deck. I don't even know what it's called, but it does have three figures on it, like three human figures. And that I, I wish the, the rest of the deck, it just doesn't speak to me. But that one card, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's about more than just, I guess, these two people, even though it doesn't really have to do with relationships at all sometimes. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Jess, maybe one time you and I were actually talking about, you know, the idea that the tarot, not only was it invented by humans, so it's sort of subject to, um, you know, human perspective and it being, I don't know, sort of narrow sometimes, but that we have changed so much as a society and as, uh, you know, the, the race of human beings that it can't, we have to evolve the meanings right along with that. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess the other way that I see cards being spiky is when you know what they mean in theory and you can, you know, let's just say you're having a conversation about cards, whatever, and, and you can even maybe apply it to other people. But then when, when it comes up in a spread, particularly maybe for yourself, um, you know, maybe it's for a client, whatever, but, and then you look at it in the spread and you're just like, right, but what does that actually mean though? Like, how do I apply that practically now. Like it's all well and good what I read in the books. It's all well and good, you know, what I've heard other people interpret it as. And I think that's probably where our intuition comes in. That's where the more we work with cards, the less spiky they get, you know, we can sort of soften their spikes there, but there are still cards for me. And I'm sure it's going to be like that for forever, maybe because we're all kind of eternal students in this practice, but yeah, just those cards that you can look at it and say, okay, yeah, I know what that means. But then you get it in the spread and you're just like, hmm, not so much though. And then I I also wanted to bring up, so our other co-host, she wanted to bring up the idea of the pages, which she kind of felt were very similar to the aces. And I think, Jackanovia, did you, you had something really interesting to say about the aces. Did you want to touch on that? Oh, sure. Um, well, it depends on the spread. See, aces for me, I love them and sometimes I hate them yeah. because they'll come up in the most odd place and it's like, this doesn't make sense. I want an answer. You know, what do I do to move forward? But you're not explaining to me, you know, well, what's this gift that's going to be handed to me? Where do I look for it? Hmm. When can I expect it? So I find sometimes we almost, we want all the answers and we don't, we almost don't even want the mystery that's supposed to come with the tarot. So I think that's where sometimes the aces can be really frustrating. Yeah, for sure. And then Elena was saying that sometimes she feels like the pages are the annoying older sibling of the aces because it's kind of that similar energy. Like, and I totally see what she means. You know, the only difference that I, I, sometimes I see the page as having picked up the gift that was in the ace, but then it's still kind of at that beginning phase. Like it's still not Maybe there's more direction than we had with the ace, but it's still really at that sort of jumping off point, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a hint to the attitude of Hmm. looking more into that element, whatever that is. And pages are a little sticky. They are they tend to be a little tricky. I like to use pages as, okay, where can I be open to whatever that element is? Um, and what that seems to be representing in the spread or the answer to the question or however you're, you've drawn those cards. But yeah, it is definitely a connection to the ace and more of the what am I going to do with this? What could be some action points here? Right. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now that I've got it, what do I do with it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I think, I mean, unless you guys have any more general thoughts about what, what kind of, what the sticky cards mean to you, I think we can dive into our specific cards. I think I would just say that the sticky cards, maybe they come and go, right? They can always Mm -hmm. be changing based on where you're at in your life or, you know, personally, if you're reading for yourself personally and digging into that, or, you know, perhaps for someone else. But I do find that at different times in my um, emotional state or kind of where I'm at, yeah, a card can either be, you know, just fine with no real uh, impact or another times really come through as a zinger. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's true. Well, and it's like when we were talking before about the judgment card, I mean, honestly, I used to hate seeing that and now I love it. So it is really where you're at with things, your relationship with the cards, how much you know. It's also about, I think, having community because Jackanovia, you were one of the people that helped me really move past some of my more narrow thinking around the judgment card. So hopefully we can help some other people do the same with some of these cards. Yeah, I hope so. Well, that was like me with the death card for years. I hated it. And then when I finally learned how to do, you know, your birth cards, Mm. Well, death, death is my personality card. Right. right? (laughs) So I learned to love it. And now when it comes up, I get excited because I know it's time to put something to bed because I need that room and space for something much better. Yeah, for sure. I see. I mean, honestly, well, so being a Scorpio, I'm super associated with the death card, right? I'm Scorpio (laughs) sun, Scorpio rising. So I'm all about it. But it's now I see it as kind of an awesome gift. It's like, oh, cool. I get to get rid of something and I get to have space for something better, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, who would like to go first? Does anybody want to volunteer? I can always step up if you guys would like. Uh, do you want to hit the sevens? Are we the, yeah, are we sure. Ready to talk sevens? Let's talk sevens. Okay. All right. So guys, I have been struggling. I always tend to hesitate with any interpretation of seven outside of the swords. I feel like I really do resonate. I get the swords. And for me, seven of swords ends up being the, sometimes it comes through as like the trickster or if you're being taken advantage of, but I can also mean just choosing to carry thoughts and things that are not your own, you know, and really kind of what baggage are we choosing to pick up that, doesn't serve us. Wow. I'm in love with that. (laughs) My mind is already blown. (laughs) It's funny because yeah, that's a shifting as I've read more. That's where I've seen it come through. When I see that seven of swords, I'm like, okay, you've obviously said yes to way too much. And you're choosing to worry about things that just aren't, you can't do anything about. So it tends to be, you know, with the seven of wands, and pentacles, I, I see that theme as well. Pentacles being more of just a, you know, working hard, the step before that apprenticeship of the eight, it's that diligence there and maybe kind of that in between. But the seven of wands can also be, yeah, just kind of that eh, card where, you know, is this action? Am I just taking a pause? It's after the celebratory six and before you know, this straight 
and planned out action of the eight of wands. So yeah, I would say seven of wands and the seven of cups always seem to get me. What do you guys have that, I don't know, comes up for you when you see those cards? I was really curious to see kind of what your thoughts were, because you've mentioned before that those were kind of sticky for you. And I really wanted to know what your thoughts were on it, because for me, sevens are all about choice and consequence. So um, I love the way that you interpret it, especially that seven of swords, like, you know, carrying other people's thoughts and opinions that you shouldn't be carrying. So that's, you know, a consequence to the choice of taking that on. So I, I just really love your interpretation of that. Thank you. And I think with the seven of cups, it's more, yes, it's usually, you know, cups or chalices filled with all, you know, sorts of symbols and it's more of, you know, maybe it is a discernment card. Maybe it is just about uh, making or having options. So multiple things that you could do. Um, But yeah, I think the fact that it's dealing with our emotional state or the relationships there. Sometimes it just trips me up. Yeah, sometimes with the Seven of Cups, for me, it's either analysis paralysis or, you know, Mm. overwhelm. And it could be also a warning, be careful what you wish for. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I, I, so I want to go back to the Seven of Swords just for a second, just to give you more praise because so often the, the interpretations I see around the swords don't take into account the whole mental realm of it all. And so I really appreciate that you brought in the idea of, you know, actual thoughts and maybe beliefs as well that you're carrying that really aren't yours that you can let go of. Right. Um, so that's awesome. That's, I love, I cannot wait to now pull that card. Um, (laughs) for the seven of cups, I think what the way that it's usually come up for me is when I'm being, yeah, I think it could relate to the analysis paralysis thing. And I think that for me, it's like, it's a reminder that, okay, I need to be less in my head about these options and I need to allow myself to kind of feel them out. So, you know, actually maybe meditating on each option and pretending that I've chosen that path and seeing how it makes me feel instead of worrying about the logic of it all. Oh, I love that. And, you know, I've never you said meditate and that connected to the four of cups, which usually ends up being empty. Usually the chalices presented in those visuals are not filled with anything. And with the seven, you have the cups filled. And so how right does that play between the boredom or um, pause on the four of cups and Hmm. where at the seven, a decision is needing to be made? Yeah, it's so interesting. I've I've started to try and look at each suit as a story. And I mean, I'm not the first to think about it like that for sure, but to see to to try and like look or to to base new interpretations around, okay, so we've done the ace, the two, the three. So now what does that really mean for the four? Or what does that really mean for the seven? Um but yeah, I mean, I think everything that we're bringing up makes a lot of sense. Again, it's really, it's just so, it's so personal, right? It's, it's the way that these cards have come up for you in readings. And I mean, like right now, if it came up for you, Jekinovia, the seven of cups, what would you, would it be that sort of split kind of thing? Like it's, it's either this analysis paralysis or kind of be careful what you wish for because it kind of depends on where it is in the spread or what kind of question you've asked, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, it would depend very greatly on what I was asking. But mm. at this point in time, it to, it really would be that, okay, you asked for this, so deal with it. You know, right. it's like that kick in the ass that you need. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I don't know, Jesse. how are you feeling about sevens? Do you want to yeah, talk about no, the, the wands as well or? That's really helpful. And, you know, I know that sevens in general, if we were to go from the numerology standpoint. Yeah. Yes, it does tend to stick with the reflection part or assessing knowledge. Spirituality comes up a lot with the sevens and discovery. And so, you know, with that seven of wands, when I think about the eight or let's say the six, um, yeah, celebrating an achievement or being heralded or just kind of enjoying the success that you've had, and then the eight where, you know, things are lined up and usually there's a very, to me, that just means you either are control freak or things are going to be put in place or need to be aligned in order to move forward. But the seven is really just almost like the solo self pause where six is the celebration in public. It's kind of that outer, maybe that seven really is that stop and reflection, um, of the inner self. So, yeah, I don't know. I find myself really split on the seven of wands too. Again, it's, I mean, depends on the question, depends on the other cards around it, if I'm doing a spread, but it's often, I feel like it's an either, or it's like, it really is that, that sort of pause, but also it feels a little bit about our defense mechanisms in a way, because it's like, are you, are you, are you protecting that hill for a real reason or is it kind of all in your head and you can actually lower that wand and just relax? So yeah, sevens. I'm, I'm starting to feel like, so I'm thinking about each seven and I really do feel like a lot of them are kind of this either or thing. And so it really depends on where you're at. And so it all comes into that. I think it all really, I mean, as most readings do, it really comes down to the intuition and, and the moment in time, right? Yes, indeed. All right. Well, Good. I can. Thank you. Thanks well, of course. <laughs> well, I'm sure, like, I don't know. I don't know if we've changed any hearts and minds on the sevens, but maybe we've brought up some at least different perspectives. So, uh, well, I, I'll talk next about, I think, justice. So just sort of as a preface, all of the cards that I chose to talk about are really the kind that I get it, but then I don't get it. So I get it in theory, but then in, in actuality, I just, I don't see how it applies or, um, it really has to come up in a position where there's enough cards around it that really sort of guide the way for the card. So with justice, I mean, let's say I pull it as just a, a singular kind of card of the day. Um, okay, so I'm weighing options. I'm looking for the truth of something. Um, I, I'm, you know, there are consequences to things. I, I just, often that just doesn't really apply. Maybe I'm totally missing something. It could definitely be the case. I think there's also a personal blockage for me because I'm not a huge fan of, and you know, I know that I can look at justice in different ways, but there's something that always really 
gets me about it having a kind of link to the justice system. And I just really bristle against that. And I know that that's my own internal work that I need to do to kind of separate it from that. But yeah, it's that's my first spiky card. So come on, blow my mind, guys. <laughs> well, I always think about balance, really. Hmm. It's kind of that um, balance. And as I've gotten older, realizing the need for balance in all things. So if I'm hmm. working a ton, I need to pull back and make sure that I have equal rest. Or if I'm giving whoever I'm giving to, I really want to be receiving back in balance. Anytime things are out of balance, we're just, it takes us out of alignment. So I always think about alignment. Yeah. Well, that makes, I mean, that's, That makes perfect sense because just even within the imagery, I mean, obviously there's the scales, but even the way that the figure typically holds the sword, it's so everything feels very straight and upright and aligned and very, very balanced. Yeah. When you pull a card like that, I always find that, especially if it's your, you know, your card of the day, what do I need to know about today? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. There's always going to be that split second as you're pulling the card, there's going to be a thought that pops into your head. It might be maybe an argument you had with someone or, oh, I've got to call this place today and set up an appointment, whatever, whatever it is, it flashes through your head. I find that when you get stuck on a card, it's that one thought that's going to help you unlock it. So for instance, we'll go back to, I had an argument with my spouse this morning and you pull the justice card. Okay. Well, what do I need to do in this situation to be fair to myself, but also to help resolve? I don't want, you know, you don't want to completely take all the blame because it takes two, Mm -hmm. but you also want to be fair to your partner. So that's how I would approach it. And that's how I usually do approach it, especially with justice, because it used to be one of my really sticky cards. And that was how I kind of navigated around it when the spikes came out. Yeah, I really love that. And again, it's just, it's, it's really just being in the moment with the card, right? And letting that kind yeah. of, letting that situational sort of stuff guide you. And also, I mean, you've been reading cards for so long. So I think that that's just such a, a wonderful example of how you really pick up I don't want to call it a trick, but it's like a trick of the trade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's important that we just listen to ourselves because we don't do that enough. And I think that's a really good thing about the tarot is it forces us to sit down and really think if we're using them appropriate. Right. Yes. No, I, I love that as well. Linking justice to the scales and Libra, Mm -hmm. right? I always find that's a little bit interesting But really, it's, I think it's our perceptions as well. And so maybe it's just something within ourselves when you, you know, very connected to that judgment and discernment card with the justice card. It's like, okay, what is the reaction here? What is my perception of the situation? And maybe just if there's something that feels negative in that space, it's like, why? Kind of looking at yourself and wondering what's triggering that thought. Justice can also be a very merciful, uh, you know, action as well. So it could be just that, you know, for every pendulum swing one direction, it comes back the other way and just recognizing that there's, yeah, that equanimity in everything. Yeah, that, I mean, this all gives me so much to think about. And as you guys are talking, what I'm, 
really picking up, and I think that it would probably be a theme with all of the cards, but it's really, especially what you were saying, kind of linking it to the judgment card, Jesse, it's like, um, what are my personal, more personal issues with the card and, and how does, how does it showing up sort of, again, reflect that back to me and how do I work? You know, it's like, I even said this before, how do I go deeper than just looking at the word justice or just seeing the scales or, or just the sword or whatever it might be. Yeah. Thinking about that input and the output being Mm. equal and even in relationships, you know, so often we will give all of our love out, but are we taking time to love ourselves? And so really it's just, maybe then you're connecting to the temperance card and, and just all of this right. the theme of balance. That's beautiful. That really softens the sword and justice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is accurate, so I'd have to double check, but I think at one point someone said that the justice and the judgment card I think were swapped originally before the Rider Waite deck mm-hmm. they were in each I, but I have to double check that I haven't heard that I do know that there was a swap between justice and strength and um, there is still I think in the wild unknown justice is eight and strength is 11 but then so it was I know that it was flipped because they wanted it they um I I'm totally blanking on who it was, but whoever was making these original correspondences with astrology wanted it to sort of go in order. And so um, chariot being cancer, strength being Leo, so on and so forth, which, you know what, like whatever, because there's still a break in that. Like there's still the wheel of fortune that then pops up and just links to Jupiter. So I mean, whatever, they had their methods, but... (laughs) I mean, that would be interesting if it was a swap between justice and judgment as well. I mean, honestly, anything is possible. This has been around for such a long time. So who knows? Huh. That's very interesting. Of course, you would know the astrology part because you're the astrology pro. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I do not know about pro, but (laughs) I definitely I definitely love looking at those correspondences. I think they're super interesting. But uh, all right. Well, what's your first card, Jekinovia? Um, I think I'm going to go with the, the nine of cups. I love and that this is one of your choices. I, and it's not, okay. I, I think the main reason it gives me the prickles is because everybody thinks it's this card of generosity and open your, your home and your heart to others. And to me, the guy looks like he's smug and it's mm. like his ego took over. <laughs> and so it really, it just makes my spikes go up. I, I'm not a big fan of that nine of cups because it's all ego to me. Mm-hmm. When you, so when you see it come up, what do you usually, like, which way do you usually take it? How do you approach it? It would depend on the cards that come around it. Yeah, um, fair enough. Every time. Um, but I generally do insert some kind of a warning. Just, you know, be careful. You don't let your ego run away. This isn't about, you know, puffing yourself up and, but, you know, it's okay to have confidence, but be sure that you're not right. letting it get out of control, that kind of thing. I... Yeah, I mean, you're right, especially in the Smith Waite depiction. Like, he does look very, I don't know, almost too prideful, right? Like, it's like you're saying there's nothing wrong with being proud of your accomplishments and confident in what you've achieved, but it's like, all right, maybe dial it down a little bit, right? Like, you do not need to be smug about it. You don't need to be arrogant about it, maybe. Um, Yeah. But, 
and that's an interesting thing too. I meant to bring this up. It's like, I think sometimes the spiky cards can change based on the deck that we're using because I do not like the Nine of Cups so much in that depiction. But in this new deck that I'm working with, the Lightseer's Tarot, the Nine of Cups is, it's this figure that's underwater and she's got like this treasure chest below her and she's like swimming upwards towards, you can see the sort of the sun is shining down into this body of water and she's, her arms are open. It's like her chest is open and it's like really just leading with love in a way and being open to gifts and being open to abundance. So that has helped me really shift my perspective on that end of the card. But I, I don't know that I would have been able to do that without having, you know, the, the blessing of being able to see it from a different artist's perspective. Yes, that's true. That's a really important thing when you are stuck on a card. If you look at it from a different deck's perspective, a lot of times it does help you know, um, overcome that. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about the nine of cups, Jesse? I am in complete agreement with both of you that the Smith weight depiction is a little posturing. And for me using other decks that show more of a wishful element and yes, kind of, um, being appreciative of what's been given. I, I think you're right. Deck to deck, it makes such a difference. And yeah, I would say that's one for me where um, depending on how it's coming up in the spread, it's either a, you know, be proud of your accomplishments and, you know, good for you versus and sometimes it's, yeah, watch, watch yourself in the pride. So it's one of those that's either way, depending on the question, it can mean something very different. Yeah, for sure. And that's the one that people call like the wish come true card, right? Or wishes come true or, or I don't know, something to do with mm-hmm. wish, I think. Yeah. 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 Something to that effect, which is a good lesson for the newbies. Like you don't have to follow the, <laughs> follow the book every time. Exactly. Because I think that's, I don't know that that's ever been the truth for me when I've pulled that card. I don't know that I've ever, I mean, maybe as like a daily pull and it's just like, oh, you know, like it's going to be just a more very generalized message of this might Mm -hmm. be a great day. Like things might just kind of go your way today. It's an auspicious card perhaps in that way, but I don't know that it's ever come up and it's been like, well, that's it. Like you're done. Everything's coming true today. So way to go. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, so yeah, good point. You don't just have to go with those sort of old school, maybe we could call them quotes or whatever. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, um, what's your next card, Jesse? I want to touch on the nine and 10 of swords. When I was at a workshop, this was the 10 of swords was the one card that everybody was like, oh my gosh, when this card comes up, it's like, ah. So this can be either a relief, you know, if you are in the middle of something or have been in something for a while that's not been serving. This can mean the end and, you know, resign to the fates and what something new. But also it's very much about that stress or taking on too much or really just being done. It, you know, the finality of coming to coming to an answer with something. So, yeah, I just I know people tend to that ten of swords can be, you know, that relief, but also just a little scary. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think most depictions of that card are pretty pretty darn scary. Like, I would say they're more um, in your face than most death cards are. I agree. And I, I, I'm sure it's purposeful. I mean, if we want to look to, like, Pamela Coleman-Smith and why she decided to depict it that way, I'm sure that it was meant to really show us, like, okay— you're done. You can't keep go like you're you're on the ground, you're impaled completely. Like you cannot keep going on this way. Something has to change, right? That's right. And even the sequence between the nine of swords and the ten of swords and kind of what that looks like, especially if they're together or, you know, show up consistently if something is very stressful or yeah, just the anxiety around that. Um the way that both of those cards resolve, it's it's really powerful. And I would encourage everybody to take those two cards out and look at how it's represented in whatever deck you're using. But that Ten of Swords can be a very strong message of just, you know, being moving on. It really is a definitive answer. And while it's, I say it's, you know, for people it can be very scary. It also is a quite clear message if you're looking for one. There's no way around. You can't really pussyfoot around that one. It's like, okay, yeah, we're done. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it, like you're saying, it's very definitive and it's it's all right there in the imagery, at least most of the the classic imagery or, or decks that are based on kind of the, the Smith weight stuff. But uh, honestly, the nine and 10, I totally understand why they're sticky for people. They definitely look scary. And they, de- and I mean, if you're not ready to, give up certain thought patterns or, or allow those to be released or to look at the truth of something, um, stuff like that, then it can be really difficult to work with. And it can be, you know, just like for me, when justice comes up, it's annoying to me. It's probably annoying to people to have the nine and 10 come up, but I, those are two of my favorite cards in the deck. I just think that they, they're just so powerful. Like you said, I think they have such a beautiful gift at the center of them. How do you feel about them, Jackanovia? I, I love and hate them. It's one of those. It depends yeah. on how they come up and when they come up. Um, but a lot of, especially with that 10 of swords, it's, it's all about just, it's done. It's over. It's final. You can't go back anymore. So just let it go. Um, because it's the, so it's the suit of swords. I find a lot of times it's like, you're finding out the truth about possibly people gossiping about you, stabbing you in the back, you know, if you're taking it, it literal for, for the symbology. Right, um, but it it is one of those things that once you know, you can't unknow it. So you just have to get over it and move on. Yeah, and that's why I think it's such a. That's why I really like that card as well because it's. I don't know. It's sort of. Um, it's very freeing. It's very liberating. It's like okay, you just you know it, and now you can just go somewhere else. Like you can try something else. You can think something else. You can let go of all of that. You're done. You can stop yeah. being weighed down. You're free. Like there's yeah, just it might be painful, but now you're true. Free. Yes. Yeah. Definitely can't. I mean, not always painful, but I think in a lot of situations you probably can't remove the pain aspect from it. But you know, it's yeah that's already happened and now you get to be free from it if you allow yourself, right? That's a very important key is you have to allow yourself to move on. Yeah. Um, so Jesse, you bringing up the nine and 10, are these cards that you had um, issues with like when you first started reading or 
Have you always liked them? Because it, I just feel like I, I, I love that you brought them up because I think they are very classic spiky cards. But I wonder if you're bringing them up more from a perspective of, yeah, they could be spiky for a lot of people. I just didn't know if there was anything more personal there. Well, very intuitively of um, you, these cards have come up a few times as I was transitioning from a last job that was very stressful. It was the ah. 10 of cards that came up at the end and I was like, wow, I'm done. I really am yeah. done. And you know, it, it is the relief cards, those ones that just um, confirm what you already know. Actually, any of ca those cards that really force us to stay in an emotional state can often be tricky because we spend so much time distracting ourselves with, you know, devices, technology, entertainment, and tarot will make you sit with the uncomfortable feelings, but really that is where the growth comes from. And so any of those cards that trigger that emotional space, wow, sit with them. And that's important for all of us to kind of get to that next level of understanding not only people around us, but ourselves. Mm-hmm. I am just sitting here nodding furiously. Yes to all of that. It is so true. And I think it's so often the swords that bring those up. And I like, I don't know if that's because we all have such tricky relationships like with our brains and with our thoughts and the way that they mix with our feelings and, you know, particularly in that um three of swords where they kind of it kind of all comes to a head, right? But I don't know. I think that's why they're some of my favorites as well. Yeah, the swords always lead to a lot of shadow work, which it can be scary for people, but your shadow yeah. work is, you can't have a complete spiritual practice unless you're willing to address that shadow work, even in the most slight way. As long as you're addressing it, you can just go so deep with it and it's so healing. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it can't, it can't all be about light all the time. That's just not realistic. Yeah, everybody has to go through the winters. Mm-hmm, especially Canadians. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, um, I think I'm up, yeah? Jesse. yeah, you just brought yes. up the swords. Okay, so what's interesting is that, so my next card is the Six of Pentacles, and some of the stuff that you guys brought up around the Justice card I think could also probably be applied here, perhaps in maybe a lesser way or... Yeah, um, but because often in the Six of Pentacles, we also see a scale being held or the scales being held. So it's it's kind of, again, that, that balancing of things. And I will say that with the Six, I have kind of, well, I think we all build our own interpretations for all of the cards, but I've really had to dig deep with that one to find something that has meant something more personal to me because I think... More often than not, what I see people write about or, or interpret this card, it's like, well, ask for help if you need to or give back if you can, which is fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. I guess it's just, it hasn't ultimately been very satisfying for me, I guess, when it comes up in readings or when I'm trying to work it with other cards or even use it as a card of the day. And again, this one is, I mean, it has a personal thing because so the first time I ever did a, a sole purpose tarot spread, and this was when I was first reading tarot, um, it came up in the position of my sole purpose. And I was just like, what? Like, what do you mean my sole purpose isn't the high priestess or the magician? I don't understand. I'm supposed to just 
give to, like, I don't understand what the giving is. I'm not opposed to the giving or am I supposed to ask for, like, who am I in this situation? Who am I out of these people? How am I supposed to apply that? Eh, I don't know. What What do you guys think? What do you think of the Six of Pentacles, Jesse? Well, maybe, you know, when I, in that situation, it's like what comes to mind is just knowing boundaries and yeah, again, giving, but also making sure that you're receiving just as much as you're giving. And I right. think the sixes are very much about, um, yeah, your personal transitions. And while it's very much community I think it's community focused. And so it's like, how are you interacting within that community? And for you, you know, you're, I, I love that it came up for your soul's purpose because you are so good at building community within your writings and your online space, but even, you know, putting together podcasts to share and to educate. And, you know, it's not just about money, but it's like knowledge and, gifts and just parts of you that can make the world better. And so it's, it's really just making sure that you are giving, but then also being able to receive as well. Wow. Thank you. That means so much to me. Wow. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a good point about the money thing. And then also um, what you said about, um, the, the giving and the receiving and making sure that's in balance. That's something that I've sort of um, not come to terms with. That's not what I mean, but it's, it's something that has really become apparent to me, I guess, that it really is kind of about the exchange of energy and whether or not it's balanced. And, you know, sometimes I think it, it can be a little imbalanced. Like sometimes we do need to, to ask for more or we do need to be giving more or, or whatever it might be. Um, but the money thing, I think that has always tripped me up. And that's kind of why I brought a pentacles card as well, because I think so often, I mean, sometimes they're even called the suit of coins. So we can get really wrapped up in this idea that it does have to do with money or something tangible. But I've started to look at the pentacles as more to do with, um, I guess our spirit, our soul, our values, something that's a little less, I guess, man-made um, than we often see. I don't know. What do you think about that, Jacanovia? Well, for me, pentacles are, the, sorry, the suit of pentacles is regarding anything to do with our physical existence. So whether it's right. money, our job, even it can be addressing our personal relationships with other people in this life, not necessarily how we communicate with them or how we feel about them, because that would right. be your swords and your cups, but the actual physical connection that you have with different people, different things. Um, and to me, it's, I don't know if this is actually anyone else's interpretation, but I always find him to be a scholar, the, the man who's giving out the money. Hmm, okay. Um, and if you notice, he's only giving it to one person and not another. So that'll go back to your, your, um, judgment card. So you're discerning, like, huh. you know, is this a balanced, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is, is the reciprocity going on your exchange? Yes. So if it's not balanced, then why would I put more energy into it, more of my physical energy into it, more of my physical time? Cause you only have so much time in this physical life, you know? Right. So our minutes are precious. We can't get those back. So to me, it, it goes along more those lines than it does about money itself. 
I, I am so in love with that. You are a genius when it comes to really looking at the body language of the figures in these cards. You know, it's something I know I need to work more on and I need to sort of, when I look at a card, I need to a little bit disassociate with what's going on in my brain and really feel into things. But, you know, the this thing about uh, the person, the figure only giving to one of the figures that's asking, and then going back to the two of cups, the the point that you brought up there about the body language between the two figures, that is that's awesome. Thank you so much for Great sharing reminder. that. I yes. love that. Yeah, I've looked that's at so these cards point. for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, well, and fair enough. And I mean, I, I I think that is just something that comes with the time of it, right? It's the more you look at something, I guess, the more you see. Although, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I need to put my cards down for a couple of days because it's, it's almost like I've desensitized to them or something and I don't see past them anymore. But right. that's another topic for another day. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I feel very good about that card, so... Let's move on to your second card, Jackanovia. Ah, uh, the Hierophant. Ditto. I, really? I come, oh, for sure. <laughs> I just, I prickle so much when I get the Hierophant. I think it's because, as we've already established, I don't like rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always feel like the Hierophant is telling me how I'm supposed to think and how I'm supposed to feel. It's that authoritative person who, you know, doesn't really care what you think because, you know, you should be doing everything that they say without question. Hmm. So that's why I bristle with that one. Yeah. So it's the idea of that authority that you're just not here for. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the way I, and I really, again, I'll bring her up again, but Lindsay Mack from uh, Tarot for the Wild Soul, I really credit her for shifting my perspective on the Hierophant because I used to see it the same way and you can't help but see some religious symbology in that card, I think pretty often, like, you know, it can remind you of a Pope maybe, or I don't know, some figure within, let's say a church or a religion. Um, but she really said that, you know, that authority figure is actually you though. Like you're the one that's in the power there. You're the one that is in control of what Mm. you believe and what your values are. And I think there are times maybe when that card can come up and it can guide us towards, okay, um, maybe seek advice, but from somebody that you would trust, um, somebody that you would, um, put stock in their value and their opinion as well, and then take it in and then make sure you filter it through your own values and beliefs. And then what comes out is your own. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's really good. That's good information. I oh, always awesome. associate the Hierophant with the um, the High Priestess as well. I, I feel more associated with the High Priestess card. Right. Because to me, it's more comfortable. It's more my element. So I think maybe the Hierophant is more the masculine side of that. Mm, fair enough. So, Jekinovia, I completely agree with that. And I have grabbed my Dream Keepers Tarot companion, and I find that Liz Houston is the creator of that deck, and she has an amazing response or explanation of the Hierophant. And so we have the Hierophant as the maven of ritual, ceremony, and meaning. So always seeking the deeper realms of reality, never settling for the knowledge already at her disposal. So I love that twist on more that modern look at what the Hierophant could mean. I suddenly love that. (laughs) I just love that card now. (laughs) 
I love that, that languaging around not settling because that's kind of how I see it too. Like when the Hierophant comes up, it's like, okay, there's maybe some stuff that you need to, like I was saying, filter through who you are now as a person, not who you were five years ago or even yesterday. Like there are new ways of looking at things. Don't settle for what you believed yesterday or whatever, you know, there's a new way Mm -hmm. maybe of looking at it. My mind exploded. (laughs) well I know Liz this her deck is incredible and really another theme here is conforming right and choosing to you know create your own version of of life and not just yeah settling for what's expected yeah absolutely and I think that that you know cards like that maybe even justice. Sometimes I see the connections between like, let's say high priestess, uh, hierophant and justice simply because of the imagery with them. Like they've all got the pillars. They're all kind of sitting there. So there's something that links those cards. Although I feel like the high priestess is the more, is the sort of gentler, maybe let's say of the three, but there's something about that idea of authority. Um, you know, the man, as we might call it, that I think people like us in particular, you know, somebody that maybe identifies as a witch or somebody that is interested in having their own spiritual practice, their own magic, they are, I think, in a way, always going to bristle against things like that because that's what we're trying to move away from. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. Well, I know that you can, Little Miss Rebel. (laughs) 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 I can't help it. No, and you shouldn't. Don't help it. I love it. All right, Jesse, what's your third and final card? Third and final card would probably be the chariot. Same here. Oh, yeah. So sometimes when I'm not reading for myself, it's great. I'm like, this is a time of action, but be measured. And, you know, it's just time to put something you know, into motion and be determined about it, but, you know, not in this crazy frenetic way. But yeah, I think when it comes up for myself, it's like, oh, you mean I actually have to do something about this now? And so <laughs> it's really more of the trigger in myself that I've known I've needed to get something going. And yeah, that's like, like Jack and Obi said earlier, it's that little kick in the ass, like, and now we're going to start. So interesting. Yeah, so when you're when you're reading for other people, it's all well and good because it's like you don't you don't have to do that work, but you can freely give that advice, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so interesting because that's so that's my third card, and it's another one where yeah. So in theory, or even if I'm you know reading for somebody else, or if I'm just writing about the card, all the kind of keywords and and symbolism really come to me. But then I don't know, more often than not, when I pull it for myself, I don't know that it has anything to do with taking action or at least so far not in my experience. Maybe I've missed something in the reading that I'm doing, but as far as, you know, my intuition has led me, the positions that it's coming up in or the cards that are surrounding it, I feel like there's something more to this card that I just haven't really discovered. Like, I don't know that it is, I think it can absolutely mean action and and being motivated. And, um, what was the, what was the wording that you use? Like not being frenetic about it, like being very sort of, um, measured, almost like that controlled action. And sometimes I think of this as like the Dharma card. So what is that purpose? And like, what are we meant to be 
on the path doing. So the reminder of just taking that next step or trusting, but yeah, just being calm about it, but also having the movement behind it. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing I do love about this card is often, I mean, I guess it depends on the deck that it's in, but very often the chariot has um, little symbols from each of the cards that have come before. So it feels like a little bit of a culmination point where um, we're maybe on a precipice of sorts before we move into that strength card. So sometimes I try and think about it like that. Like I, I try and see the symbols that are coming. You know, you've experienced the fool through the lovers and now you're here. What have you learned? What can you reflect on? And how can you, I guess, take that into your action? Yeah, really it's about self-mastering. So mm. becoming aware of, you know, how purpose just purpose right. of, of mind, thought, feeling, action. I have to admit, I am shocked that you both struggle, or not struggle, but bristle with uh, the <laughs> chariot. You, you're both, you just embody the energy of it. You're just ready oh. to go. And you just, you have this vision and it, it's amazing to watch, but I'm just really surprised that you both chose this card. Cause I mean, if you, if you, again, I'm looking at the Red Await Smith deck, yeah. um, but there's no reins. He's not reining in these sphinxes that are pulling it right so he's completely he trusts them they're very loyal and it's it's his energy his balance of masculine and feminine so Mm. there's that balance coming again um you've got the the moon and the stars so you have all this deep inner wisdom forward movement the golden wheels like you know you're on fire like it's just but all of this combined he's not actually moving right? right he's he's standing still so that's why I always, I, I don't struggle with this card, but I always love to just flip it and go, okay, why aren't you moving yet? Do you even need to move? Do you need mm. to take action right now? Or are you already doing what you need to be doing? Ooh. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my little two cents. <laughs> oh, that's more than two cents, I think. Um, that is so interesting. Again, with really looking at what's happening in the card, the idea that it's not moving. That's something that I've thought about before, but it's not anything that I've, for whatever reason, haven't gone any deeper with, but <laughs> that's amazing. And I love that, I mean, I love that we both brought it up, but for such different reasons. Like, you, Jesse, you are just like, yeah, okay, but I don't want to. Like, I, <laughs> I don't want to take the action. Whereas I'm like, yeah, but is that what it really means though? You know, like, it's just really interesting to have both of those perspectives, but to still feel a little bit spiky about it. Um, yes. All right. Well, that was my third card as well. So Jack and Ovia, we'll go right to you. What's your third card? Uh, the world. It's always going to be one of my, I, it's, it's not even prickly. It's just, it, like you were saying before, it's one of those cards. It's like, it just doesn't mean anything really to me. I can read right. it, but I don't feel it. <laughs> yes, that is really, I mean, I've, I've been able to shift a little bit on some of the cards from tonight, but I think that is when something feels the most spiky to me. It's like, there's just that sort of disconnect from it. Because that, yeah. that doesn't feel nice. You know, you want to be able to feel these cards, right? It makes it personal. Mm-hmm. So when you, when, it, when the world does come up, what are your sort of go-tos for how you interpret it? I usually stick to, 
um, there's a completion going on right now. Something is coming to an end, but it doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. It just means, you know, you completed a goal or, you know, it's time to start a new cycle in your relationship. You're taking it to the next level. It depends on the rest of the cards around it. Um, But I generally do have to pull clarifying cards with the world just simply because it just doesn't talk to me like the rest of them. Yeah. No, I agree. And especially, I mean, what if you're just pulling it as your card of the day? Like, you know? Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Like, thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's part of the world's message is sitting with those unknowns or the Mm. complicated feelings that you have and digging into what that could mean. Maybe it's, you know, the ego saying you don't deserve to be at the end of this cycle or or that you're not, Mm. you haven't accomplished enough or, and, and that is, those are some hard things to think through. But then also just maybe when the world comes up for whatever the situation is, just taking a moment to pause and think and appreciate everything that you've done. I like to look at it as, okay, let me, like at the end of the decade when we were all like, okay, what if we, let's go back to the beginning and see how far we've come taking a moment to really honor the any sacrifices or just how you've learned whether it's you know through relationships or educating yourself growing all of those lessons and so yeah a reminder to honor honor where you've how far you've come mhm yeah definitely there's something about taking again it's like taking that moment of pause to see how things maybe have come full circle in a sense. Um, but yeah, sometimes it just feels a little out of reach for maybe, maybe the more day to day type thing. But then again, I mean, that's probably within myself, not allowing myself those moments of looking back and just having that space to, you know, be in that cycle, I guess. Could be. Yeah, and it could be a reminder of, of gratitude. Hmm. So it's a time to pause and, you know, some, sometimes it's easier for us than others, but to say, okay, I need to sit down and write out all of the things that have come that, you know, I, at some point, you know, was just in my mind and what you've manifested and created. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, As we're talking about the world, because of course it's the last and the major arcana, so it feels like it it holds, I don't know, it feels like it should just be this big spectacular thing, right? Because it's like the end of this, I mean, and the majors in general, they're supposed to, not supposed to, that's the wrong word, but they're the kind of the bigger energies of the deck. They're the archetypal things. They're the big life happenings in a way, right? And so I guess when we get to the world, there's something about it that I feel like it's supposed to be, again, using that word, but it's it's got, it's like it's charged with all of this really big energy, but maybe it really is just about showing some gratitude and looking back. And maybe that is big enough, really, yeah. I think is what I'm trying to say. That's brilliant because if you think about it, it's when you reach a goal, it's like, okay, now what? Yeah. It's over. Now you you always have to have something else to look forward to. So maybe she's looking backwards because she's like, it's the journey that matters. It's not the end result. And she's going right back into the fool because everything's a cycle, right? Yeah. (gasps) It's everything that happened along the way. It's not even the end, right? 
What's that yeah. joke people say? It's like, oh, it was the friends we made along the way or, or whatever. But like, maybe that is what yeah. it is. It's just, I love that idea of, of her looking backwards towards, you know, let's just even say all of the cards in the majors and all of the experiences that she's had in that, um, that particular journey, that particular spiral of things. I like that. I think me you too. guys just help me with that. Thank you. Oh, yay. That's good. Well, I mean, unless you guys, did you guys have any backup cards that you wanted to sort of touch on a little bit or are you feeling spiked out? Yeah, I think we, we were pretty thorough. Yeah, we hit all the ones I could think of. Yeah, same here. All right. Well, that was an awesome conversation. I hope, I hope we've maybe shifted some perspectives for everybody else as well. I know mine has been shifted on a couple of these cards and it was just a good conversation in general. So thanks for being here. I love the brain candy. You guys are good at that. I know. I think that there is just such a power in discussing these topics collectively. We all learn so Mm -hmm. much from each other. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to sort of like, I can't wait for these conversations to be released. And so everybody else can hear them, but to be perfectly honest, it's like, it's a little bit selfish to do this podcast because I want to have these conversations, you know, like I want to know what you guys think about certain cards and I want to be able to vent about certain cards. And so, you know, maybe that's the six of pentacles. Maybe that's the energy exchange. Nah, maybe so. What <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. But until then, Jesse, where can everyone find you on the internet? Hey, everyone. I am at tarotaro.com with one T in the middle and tarotaro on Instagram. Awesome. And what about you, Jackanovia? I am on Instagram at tarot underscore and underscore time. Um, that's my handle over there and that's where I spend most of my time. Awesome. And you can find me at the.written.witch. That's on Instagram. And that's pretty much where I spend all my interneting time as well. You can sign up for my newsletter there and stay on top of uh, news for the podcast as well. I put out, um, we didn't get any feedback for today's episode, but I'll keep putting out the call for feedback for you guys to share your cards as well or share your um, ideas and thoughts and feelings on whatever topics we record next. Uh, So we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tarot Coven cast. Stay tuned for our next episode, all about the sweet and soft cards of the tarot. And until then, everyone, keep making magic.